it's not European cricket. Absolutely. And on that note. And we're back. It's the Last Call podcast, your one-stop shop for European Championship cricket. My name's Jamal. I'm joined by Rusa Ahmed Trutha, Ash Etherington. I mean, I've always said there was only one player that could compare to Bradman. <laughs> I know you're of the opinion that that person is Mitch Marsh, but I'm here to tell you it's Musa Ahmed. I'm a bit of a Sean Marsh, Marsh truther, to be fair. True. Always big, big on the Sean Marsh train. Just the Marshy boys. I've always you've, you've written fan fiction about them. I've always felt they've had a little bit uh, unjust in the they, uh, yeah, Australian selection team. They have been starved, starved of opportunities. Yeah, no chances. You know they can't get a good run on Zach Dawson style, really. Yeah, <laughs> just no. In all seriousness, they just persisted with mediocrity for so long, for so long. And it was exhausting. The funny thing about both marshes is they're both exceptional at state level. I think Mitch is... On it, and Mitch has come good at limited overs to Australian level. Yeah. What's Sean up? Just keep slaying the shield. I think he made 100 in the, the first game back this season. It's probably one of those like almost fringe AFL players where you're just like, well, you're not good enough for the AFL, but like, good God, you absolutely kill it at the AFL level. Yeah, absolutely. And destined to be in that sort of bubble, I think. Well, of course he's finished now, but. Yeah, no. And, you know, we've got, who's who's our Sean Marsh replacement? Cameron Gray. Marnus Lasagna. Marnus Lasagna. Steve Smith. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are still spots available though because I th- I'm not sure. To be honest, I'm not sure either of the openers have knocked down the door. I think in on home soil, Warner's probably picks himself, but I reckon that there's probably a spot up for grabs as the other opener. Pekovsky's sort of coming back from an injury still. Is Joe Burns still around? What's he up to? Joe Burns is just there as yeah. he has been for sort of the better part of a decade. He exists. Yeah. Travis Head's the same. I know. He, I think he made a hundred in the Shield in the first game back, but he's another one that dominates at state level and then hasn't really um, knocked the door down at Test level. I feel like that's the Kawaja uh, area of just like absolutely unbelievable. Like, who's he play for? He's a Sydney boy, isn't he? At Queensland. Queensland. What am I thinking from Sydney? On Rakes play for Sydney. All of the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, on races from New South Wales. In fairness to Kawajo, he has been incredible at Australian level, just only in Australia. Yeah. Like, he's utterly dominant in tests in Australia, just can't make runs overseas. Flat track bully. David Warner style, really. Mm. Warner's the same. Um, and arguably, Kawajo's more consistent on Australian conditions, so I think he's probably been nicely done by, at least in comparison to Warner. But yeah, Time flies by. Because he'd be. Davey's obviously just such a warm, kind, likable bloke that he keeps himself in the side. Yeah. And, you know, his uh, endorsements with, what is it? Those LED TVs. Yeah. Was it? it o- o- OLED, isn't it? Samsung o- OLED? Yeah. Or LG or something. 
the blackest of blacks. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up, Warner. Oh, good grief. Um, fuck. And, that, and that's been the last couple. <laughs> <yeah>, hold on. <laughs> um, AFL offseason. Did you actually, before we get into AFL offseason, did you watch any of the rugby? I didn't catch a lick of it. Uh, yeah, I watched about five minutes. And as I think I said to you, how the hell was there no clash jumper? Last, yeah, week, yeah. last week, Penrith had to wear pink against the Storm. And this week, everybody, just dark shorts, dark jumpers, can't tell the difference. Yeah, the, the Rabbitohs um, famous, what is it, red and green kit with the white shorts is... Would have been perfect. Yeah, because like, well, and it's usually just so bright. But no, you know what? Let's all wear black, green and red. Yeah, bizarre. Like, I like the Panthers kids, but in tandem with the, like, blackout Rabbitohs kids, it's just like, why? Um, the only highlights I saw from the game is someone throwing a ball into the cameraman's nuts. Oh, <laughs> the cameraman folded like a lawn chair. <laughs> it was funny because the view just went bonk. Straight yeah, I, think I, I think I'd tuned out by then. I just saw it on Twitter. I did not even, didn't even watch the game. And oh, look, look at this. We get a non-Brian Lara highlights package. What? Warning what? on Boxing Day. Ashes Test, MCG. This is probably when I first started watching cricket. This was Boxing Day 2006. Warning about to take his 700th wicket. It's full MCG. Brings a tear to your eye, hey? We'll get back there in 2046. Mate, 50th, 50th birthday present, mate. I'll take you. <laughs> yeah. Boys night out at the MCG when it reopened. Got him! Through the gate. Um, all right. AFL offseason. Um, I know there's a lot of... It's the first day of the trade period, I believe. And we've had one, we've had one official trade, um, and that was oh Hewitt. No, 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 he was a restricted free agent. Um, the official trade was just a pick swaps, um, so Collingwood could do the day cost thing. Uh, yes. yeah. So they've yeah. they got like it, it, the deal on paper seems like really unfair because this uh, they get a whole bunch of picks this year. Like they get like 22 and like 46 and blah, 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 blah. And Gold Coast just get future second, third and fourth round picks. Undisclosed amount, but you'd think it's a few. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll just turn into Nick Dacos when they have to match. It will um, hope, hopefully North bid for him in pick one just to fuck Collingwood over a little bit more. Yeah, well, and <laughs> people think North are going to do that with Sam Darcy as well, just because. Yeah, I mean, so they should. There's zero incentive not to. I mean, the, the only incentive would be the sort of... But in a way, it's a, it's a good thing, takes pressure off, because, I mean, it would push Horn Francis down to a pick three instead of a pick one. Yeah. But, I mean, history probably shows that being a pick three is probably... Better than being pick one. Pick one comes up with heaps of added pressure. Yeah, and unless you're like 
like successful pick ones are like Judd, Hodge. No, Judd wasn't pick one, was he? Well, well, they went in the same draft, so they can't both have been pick Judd one. was three. No, Judd was three. Yeah, Luke Ball was two and Hodge yeah. was one. God, what a good draft. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, over the years, Scully, Grimes, Tamling, Kip, Murphy, Cruiser. No, Tamling was two. Who was one in that draft? Well, no, Tamling was three. Um, it was Carlton, wasn't it? So it was, was it Cruiser? Ah, that was before Cruiser. I mean, Gibbs. Oh, no. Gibbs? I reckon it was one of the three Carlton years. Wasn't yeah, it? Murphy, Gibbs, or. It was, it was either Gibbs or Cruiser, I reckon. I thought it was the last one, which was Cruiser, but it might have been. I don't have to look that up because that's a draft very close to my heart. That was Brett Deledio. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Buddy was way earlier than Cruiser. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot that was the Buddy draft. Yeah, I was like 2004. I was like, fuck. Uh, I think Cruiser was 06. But yeah, a lot of first-round picks that haven't lived up to it. Lids kind of did. But like, he wasn't... Why is there a... Who, who is this Seth Rogen lookalike man called Kingma? Oh my he's, the, he's the king man. <laughs> um, oh uh, my, what a what a look! Glasses. He, I know. Nice long run up. Um, actually bowled really well. Nice ball. I was a bit of movement on that one. Um, but yeah, in terms of recent pick ones, I think Sam Walsh obviously going to be superstar. Andy McGrath's a jet. Yeah. Is Rao number one? Rao's still not out of it. Randy Rao was number one, I believe. Was he? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who was GWS's number one pick in that draft? They had pick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like the original one? Yeah. Good question. Thank you. I'm going to have to look it up. Was that 2011 draft? Well, it wasn't it? Oh, yeah, no, sorry, 11 draft for the end of 11, yeah. Yep. Oh, my man. Mr. Twitter fingers. Mr. Text. Oh, John Patton. Yeah, of course <laughs> it was. Of course, yeah. So when this draft, they had the first five picks. John Patton. Uh, Cogs. Yep. Good pick. Dom Tyson. Well, see, you say Cogs, good pick. He's, he's finished. He's not finished, finished. He's still like a... But he's one of those players where I think if he wasn't picked at two, like he could have been a superstar, but now he's just a really good role player. Yeah, but I mean, like he got dropped last year. He was captain. Yeah, he got it like pretty injured as well, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, so Don Tyson at three, Melbourne legend. Hoskin Elliott at four, Collingwood legend. Uh, Matthew Buntine. Fremantle legend? Uh, I think he's just GWS. Um, still playing, mate. The Kingma, he is on fire. Kingma goes bang. Um, they also got Nick Haynes in this draft, so that's a good get. They also got Toby Green, so he goes all right. Yeah, he goes all right. Not bad. Uh, the his appeal is this week, is it? Yeah, that's strange. This week or next week? I think it's this week. I think it's this week. Um, and they also got Liam Sumner. So overall, a good draft. Carlton legend. Yeah. Now out of the league. Um, but yeah, 
Dacos at one, you'd think. Darcy at two, oh, wherever they go. Vaughn yeah. Francis is nailed on at three. Um, yeah, shame because he's so good. I don't know if you've seen highlights. I've he's seen a couple, yeah. Unreal. He's like, and I'm interested to see how it translates, but he looks like an actual jet. Um, super hard on the ball, super athletic as well. Like he's quick. Um, and his haircut is trendy. So he'll probably go to North. Who's after North? North Adelaide. I have no idea who Adelaide will take, but Collingwood. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, you're right. North, no, because Collingwood will have one. Uh, yeah. They trade away their pick. Oh, yeah, GWS. Oh, mate, what a steal. Yeah, I haven't looked too much into the draft class, but all I know is that apparently Hawthorne have been rumoured to be interested. <laughs> you know we're getting to the good part of the offseason when it's rumoured to be interested that maybe um, Hawthorne are looking to trade up to three. I've also seen that Hawthorne are maybe looking to be interested to get rid of their entire football team. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that for a second while we're here. Because <laughs> all I've seen today, Segler. Big, big Segel. Segs asked to move. Um, Titch. Titch, uh, like on the block. Um, Chad, potentially on the block. Right, babe. I hope we keep Chad. I really like I've, I've Timmy, Timmy O. Timmy O to the doggies. How are you feeling about that? Mate, um, there's nothing that the Bulldogs need more than big shit men. Shit big men, even, I was going to say. Yeah, he it, it screams mediocre. It's Josh Shackey. Having said that, they do need a good key defender. And as you have advocated for for a while, and we saw a bit this year, yeah. but he's much not, better he, as a key defender. He's a uh, Liam Jones type of come off. Well, Liam Jones is a key defender. Yeah. yeah I get, no, who am I thinking? Like a, a Josh Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Bert um, Ford, and you don't ask him to mark anyone. Don't Jake, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Jake Lever. Generous. Generous. Um, but also, I feel like Timmy O, because of how high he can jump, can probably play undersized. Yeah, and he's like he's quick and athletic. Like I like him as a player. Um, I think it's just it's very interesting to see that as soon as Clarkson's out the door, so is Timmy O'Brien. <laughs> and I, I like him as a player, just not as a bloke. Can't yeah. stand Leonard. <laughs> No, nah, because I had a chat to him at a Box Hill game and then he took Mark of the Year, which he was robbed of. I know, I know. I was there. Yeah. It was you, me, and Chainsaw Woman. We're all advocating for it. Um, so, Timmy out of the dogs. I don't hate it. Um, Titch, I don't know where Titch is going to go. He's being pretty well paid. So, like, he'd have to go to a contender of sorts, you'd think. Or just Carlton because they're getting $3 million a year. I've, I have fucking no idea what's going on with Carlton. I did a like preliminary glance and like tried to look at their um, like salary. So guess how much George, uh, is it George? Hewitt? Yeah. Recently signed. Guess how much he's on a year? 550. 
450 a year for someone that Sydney didn't want. And Sydney got a good second round draft pick too um, in compensation, which is an absolute steal considering that Sydney didn't want him due to their salary cap squeeze. Yeah, Carlton just cheekily giving everybody great compensation because they pay people so much. That's why we, we got so. Oh no, they traded Vassar. No, but Brisbane did that for us for Danaher, gave him a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, so they, you get a better pick. Like um, Jack Martin's on about five fifty. Sard's on eight hundred. Sard's on eight hundred. Williamson's on seven hundred. I think Harry Mackay's on seven fifty. Um. Weedering it'd be on six hundred. Six or seven. Crips. Crips would be on seven hundred at least. And they still have to pay Walsh. Him. And they're gonna pay him an absolute bag. And you know who the biggest earner on their club is? Gov. Is he? Yeah. What's he on? I Allegedly. The the start of his contract, I think it's a front loaded contract. Was over a mil. What? This came over. Yeah. He was like the what? third highest paid player in the league. What did he have a second job like folding busy boxes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think he's on like eight, eight hundred odd now. But like, how is, where are they getting this money from? <laughs> like, it's getting ridiculous at the point. And you're going to think they're getting Chera over. Yeah, and he won't be cheap, you wouldn't think. Lewis Young? Lewis Young? Well, not even Chera in cheap as in, like, draft assets that they're going to have to give up. Yeah, just salary. They're going to have to pay him. Um, yeah, and Lewis Young. <laughs> what the fuck? And well, where does Lewis Young fit on that team? In the ruck, probably. Oh. I think if you've got Lewis Young there, Tom DeConing can play less ruck. Because I think he's a better second forward. I agree, but who's their ruck now? Isn't just a Cody? Yeah. Jack Silvani? <laughs> yeah, well, true. And I mean, no Levi to take that um, sort of secondary load. So yeah, maybe it's just a Cody and Young. Yeah, but it's um, like, who's, who's left? Mark Murphy wasn't making that much money. No, Eddie Betts, Eddie Betts the same, was, probably. Eddie Betts was rookie listed. So he was making yeah. minimum contract. Um, And then... Levi. Levi was probably making not much. South of 400, you'd think. You'd think so. Um, David T. They're still going to be paying his contract in about four years. Kane Little. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're probably still paying Mick Malthouse's contract, to be honest. Hey, they might be paying Pagan's contract. (laughs) Who knows? It's all coming from the estate of John Elliott. Someone's yeah, gonna... Jack's left 70% of his estate to salary cap rorting. <laughs> You're getting paid by the Harford flank. <laughs> Jack... I'd love to be the executor of the estate. All right, 70%'s gone towards cash in paper bags, and the other 30%'s gone towards the paper bag. <laughs> um, all right, what else has gone on? Um, <laughs> Max Lynch to Hawthorne. Cool. Is he the Collingwood guy? Yeah. He's the guy I was telling you about. Absolutely destroyed Max Gorn on the Queen's birthday. Yeah. No. He's... <laughs> and Max Gorn got best on ground in the Brownlow. Wow. Unfathomable. 
Yeah, the backup Ruckman. Um, but yeah, no, I reckon he, especially if Segler goes, he's probably got the ability to be number one Ruck at Hawthorne. Nah, that's Noodle. Nah, fuck Noodle. Noodle's only in the side because of extreme nepotism. I mean, probably. Uh, to be fair, Noodle's all right. He'll get there. He's probably like two years away. But yeah, it's it's very interesting to see that the quick transition and how Sam Mitchell's just like, all right, <laughs> my team now. Yeah. Um, because yeah, Segler on the way out. O'Brien's probably not going to getting another contract. Um, Hanrahan's a maybe. Finn McGuinness has uh, buffed rival interest. I don't know what interest there is in Finn McGuinness, but he's got two more years at Hawthorne. Hold on. This is for you. Who? Yeah. My only thought was, I mean, the owner of an Irish pub thought he was just a, a barrel of Guinness. And that's where the interest came from. Uh, <laughs> the Frog and Toad or whatever that pub we go to. What's it called? The underground one? Charles, Charles Dickens. <laughs> the Frog and Toad. <laughs> it's a, they're both ridiculous names. Yeah, fair. Um, also, what is happening in the cricket? The eight for three. Netherlands are good. They've always been good. And by always been good, they were the worst team on Cricket 07. Our mate Virgin Dogma or whatever he's called, he's absolutely killing it. Kingma. V Kingma. PE teacher. Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan Light. Um, I've got a list of stuff that... Sorry, back to Finn McGuinness. Yeah, uh, I can't, can't see him getting... Where does Finn McGuinness play? And uh, say a... Hawthorne. Or Box Hill. He's like a... He was a tagger at one point. So he's, he's just like a average young midfielder. Um, so he's a midfielder. Yeah, okay. he's, he's a third generation Hawthorne player. So like, we got him for father-son just cause, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Diamond, but he's, diamond, diamond, diamond. He's, he's good VFL at the moment. Um, North Melbourne has made its first move to land Richmond's Callum Coleman-Jones. Offering a future third. It's, it's funny because they've got all of the leverage. Literally yeah. all the leverage. Yeah, because he can just walk, can't he? Yeah, and Richmond need him, need North to do a deal for Robbie Tarrant. Because if they get him as a free agent, they lose their maybe or compensation pick. So what, what benefits Richmond the most? Is it giving up a pick? Then getting Robbie Tarrant for free, or could they just do a straight swap? No. So if they really pick, if them and North piss each other off, mm. what happens is Coleman Jones goes for nothing, and Tarrant comes as a free agent. So they get nothing because they lose the maybe or compensation pick. So they basically lose Callum Coleman Jones and maybe or Chole for Robbie Tarrant. Yeah, not ideal, but. Whereas um, if they if they compromise on a trade, then they get whatever the child conversation pick was, which I think he got four years. So I think it's a second rounder currently. Yeah, it was. It was a like a mid second round pick, which I was flabbergasted by. So they get a second rounder and a future third mm. for Colin Jones, and oh, and they get Robbie Tarrant. Yeah, so they get a so mid- that's a yeah. massive win. So they've got no leverage with which to negotiate. Yeah, it's fair. The Tigers do have picks 7, 15, 26, 28, 38, 42, 47. They're like, 
they'll be consolidating picks. Apparently, they're ones yeah, who they want, they want to trade up. I did say that. Who are, you know, the one, uh, not one, they obviously won't get one, but like the four to eight. Yeah. And interestingly, Essendon want to go the other way. They want to trade down. I don't hate it. Getting so we've, cu- we've currently got pick 10 or something, I think it is. Yeah, it'll be like 12 by the time um, Dacos no, and Darcy are off. Uh, uh, Bulldogs finished above us, yeah. So it'll be, we'll go to 11, we'll be 11 and then we'll go to 12 with the Sam Darcy pick. So yeah. we've got 12 currently and I think we've identified quite a bit of good talent between pick 10 and 25. Hmm. So I think we're looking to convert 11 into 20 and 21 or something. Yeah. Well, what does Essendon need right now? A big forward. Big forward. And probably a big back. Because, yeah, I think having, like, I guess more shots at the whatever, whatever the phrase is. Because, like, at the end of the day, trading for draft picks is good, well, and fun until it actually turns into a player. Yeah, yeah, I, no, absolutely. I think it's all highly picks. speculative. Yeah, draft picks are way overvalued, I feel like. Because when, like, what did Jez go for last year? Um, Like, two, three firsts? Three firsts, yeah, I think it was two last year and one this year. Yeah, like, those, it was like 10, 15, and this year's pick. Yeah. Like, GWS have got, like, a lot of good players, but they've also had so many strikeouts. Yeah. So, to get proven AFL talent in is, like, no-brainer. Yeah, that's out four for nine. Um, I think there's a strong distinction to be made between the difference between pick one and pick 10 and the difference between pick 15 and pick 25. Yeah. I think the, the spread, I think it's a lot easier to identify elite talent in the top couple of picks. Whereas yeah. between 15 and 25, it's probably more a lucky dip. It's a bit of a roll of dice. Like it's, it's almost the same playing field, but it's almost where you land in the team. Like, if you've yeah. got a good club, it's the reason why, like, Luke Bruce and Isaac Smith did so well because they just came into it like a good club and they didn't have that expectation of, like, all right, out you go. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah first, round, uh, first round draft picks getting rolled out instantly. Like, Jack Watts playing his first game on Queen's birthday, was it? I think. Well, could, could have been. No idea. In, like, 2008. Yeah, it was, like, finishing school. <laughs> I listened to an interview. He's just like, yeah, I was 17 and still finishing my exams and I was playing in front of 90,000 people at the MCG in June. Like, that's yeah, crazy. it is. Dustin Fletcher did the same thing. He, his first year on the Essendon list, he was still at high school. And he, he literally passed up games at Essendon to play school for you. Oh, he's a big... Uh, where'd they go? He's like, I've got the next 15 years, which turned out to actually be 20 years. Yeah. To play for Essendon. I've only got two more games to play with all my mates. Yeah, I want to play with Jesus Christ one more time. He um he went to Pegs, Penley and Essendon Grammar School. Ah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And still played in the premiership that year, I believe. 1993. He was one of the baby bombers. Actually, while we're on grand final, what do you think of uh like the entire list getting a medal? There was that argument in the NBA style, NFL yeah. style. If you've played a game, you get a medal. It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I feel, and it, obviously they got beat, but 
I would be happy for Josh Bruce to have been a premiership player. Yeah. I'd be happy for Robert Murphy to be a premiership player. But at the same time, neither of them played it. Obviously, Bruce didn't because they lost. But, like, Robert Murphy didn't play in a flag. And I think it would feel hollow to go the rest of your life being called every time you get introduced somewhere premiership player. Yeah. Um, the EPL do something similar, though, where there's, like, a threshold of amount of games that you have to play. before. Yeah, there's, you... no, there's no final in the EPL. Yeah, but you just win. Yeah, but obviously, like, what you have to have played, in the, that doesn't make any sense to had to play in the last home and away game to, to be a championship player in the APL. Yeah, like, but it, like, it I, makes I, sense I, that the entire it makes sense the entire list gets it in that when there's no final because there's no because there's no particular game to have played it. But like I I'm not sure how like people would feel being called premiership players if you've played two games in around three and four. Yeah, I mean uh, hey, Tom Murphy, two-time Premiership player. There you at, go. The same, at the same time, James Jordan will be forever known as a Premiership player. Yeah, exactly. Like the Medi subs, both of them. It was just like, yeah, I got an extra game and, you know, didn't actually play. Like uh, the Connor Downey incident of he made his debut and didn't touch the field. Yeah, made his debut in his second game. Yeah. So on that, something I don't think we addressed last week. And we may have because we went for a long fucking time, but I don't remember us addressing. James Harms tried to get himself subbed off and was told, you're not injured enough. The doctor said cramping is not sufficient for us to sub you off. I didn't know there was a threshold to get subbed off unless it was concussion. Even then, I don't think there's a minimum threshold for concussion. No, I feel like concussion's a very uh, binary event. Like you're yeah, either- but... Concussed or you're not. But like if you say, oh, I got hit in the head. Yeah. They're not going to say, no, well, you haven't been hit in the head hard enough. Go back on. Yeah, that's a, what are you, what are you to say, doctor? Just say, oh, I feel a, my hamstring's tight. And like James Harms, after he got told, no, you're not cramping enough, should have got, I, I can't fucking walk. Yeah, it just collapsed. <laughs> that is strange. I didn't. I genuinely have not heard of that being a thing. And it's probably because up until the last five minutes of the grand final, nobody's asked to be subbed off unnecessarily. No, he's just doing a solid for Jordan. Oh my god, yeah. I ain't getting. And genuinely, in the last ten minutes of that game, I was thinking it would be great if a Melbourne player would sub themselves off. Yeah. But then I was like, well, obviously nobody wants to because they want to be on the ground at the final siren. But knowing that Harms did try to do that, I mean. I, Got admiration for that, but no. Also knowing that I, I know he's like a warrior and whatever, and like you know, you know tough man. <laughs> Stephen May played with half a leg, six centimeter tear in his hamstring. He yeah. could have just gone, yeah. You, you know this tear in the hamstring that I've been taking endless amounts of painkillers for. Hey, that yeah, worn off. Yeah, yeah. He was never going to do that though. Even with five minutes to go, he was yelling at Petrarca. Yeah. Smile crept across Christian's face and told fucking focus. Crack <laughs> uh, was just like, mate, we're gonna win. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> Have a laugh, mate. Um all right. Leah, yeah. Actually actually, while while we're here addressing topics that we somehow didn't get to last week. Old mate, the Melbourne nightclub owner. 
Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, you're mate. <laughs> Go on. What a fucking fruit loop. I mean, to, to sneak across there in the first place, ballsy. Mm. To be stupid enough to be illegally in a place, to have successfully got to the place, got to the game, and to still have the ego to get photographed on the ground with the players and in the rooms. That's incredible. Like, surely, if, and obviously it's an ego thing. Like, all the stories that come out, he just can't help himself and loves to be in the limelight and thinks he wants to be a celebrity. Yeah. But to have been successful at getting across the border, getting to the game, getting the, the, the lifestyle and the, the Ritz and still thinking, you know, this isn't enough. I need to go on the ground, be photographed on the ground with the players in a state that I'm not allowed to be in, then go into the rooms and shake hands with JB and try and meet the coach on camera. You know, I've, I've just looked up who it is. Um, yeah, you, you probably know him. He owns Southern stupid... I used to work for him. <laughs> You worked for him. He fired me. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he fire you? Um, because he, he didn't bring enough models to the club. No, because he doesn't like confrontation. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he fired you because he didn't like confrontation? No, so, okay, here's the story. First of all, Hayden Burbank. That's him. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, laughs on, jokes on him because he's in jail currently. Ah, fantastic. So basically, a bit of a tangent here. This is how I got fired at Morris Shows. Um, we we're working and it was a Saturday night and it was fucking packed to the rafters. Our license is until 1 a.m. So we cannot serve after alcohol after 1 a.m. And the owner comes up and he's with about 10 people, various, you know, C-level influences on Chapel Street. Yeah. And it's like five past one. And it's like, can you make me cocktails? And I was like, no, we are past our license. And I was like, this is, he basically cracked shit. So it was like, this is my venue. If I want a fucking cocktail, I'll get one. And I was like, all right, make them yourself. Because I'm not serving after our license and then um <laughs> yeah he basically came out and it's funny because he like came up to like my chin um he has a lot of short man syndrome i can say that um and he just cracked the shits and then i was like nah fuck you if you want a cocktail make it yourself um and then the next day he didn't even have the courtesy to call uh he got my manager to call and be like, yeah, you've been let go. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> for, for people listening at home that can't see this, Jamal's just made his mugshot, his phone screensaver. So. <laughs> Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send that in the, uh, the old <laughs> Morris Jones group chat. That is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, that, is, you, uh, that has made my week. <laughs> and, and obviously... Uh, he was of the opinion that, oh, I'll just cop a fine. I'm happy to pay a fine. And then he, he has been in jail for the last week. So Brilliant. Bad, uh, luck, bad luck, Mr. Mr. Burbank. I hope they keep him there. Hope well, you're... I mean, Sydney Stack got six weeks in jail in Western Australia for a, a COVID breach. Huge. Uh, 
I mean, Burbank is a rich white man, so it's probably not going to be the same punishment. But... I wouldn't imagine, though. But, you know, it's good while it lasts. I'll take it in. Jeez, the gusto of the podcast just got up three notches in the last three minutes. <laughs> he's Man, up and about. He's, he's bouncing from side to side. The smile, you can't wipe it off his face. This is so good. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, I don't think we talked about... Did we talk about the Jordan Clark thing on air? No, no, we talked about that before. So, in our production meeting. In the... the <laughs> the five minutes before we press record and be like, yeah, should we start recording? Um, Geelong has indicated Freeman will have to climb higher than pick 25 to secure a trade for Jordan Clark, which means Sam Darcy and Nick Dacos. Yeah, for a guy that's not in the, in, that wasn't in Geelong's best side all year. He was comfortably the 26th best player on their team at any given point. Yeah, I mean, well, not problem. just selected because, like, it's their team, and then you got like Higgins. Yeah, true. Look, yeah, look. And then, like, you know, Nark, Charlie Constable, then you yeah. got Jordan Clark. Like, it's wild that they want pick eight for someone that they just don't want or don't use. Yeah, it's arguably more ridiculous than the whole. Sydney getting a, what do they get, a second-round compensation pick for Hewitt, who they actively wanted to get rid of. Yeah, who were they? They were actively, mm-hmm. like, Carlton really just played like, in. Geelong do want to keep Jordan Clark, but just not in the AFL side, just in the VFL side. They just want him around. It's the same reason, um, like, Josh Kennedy left Hawthorne and, like, Ben McLinn, those guys, where they were just like, well, I'm just not getting any game time. I want to leave. Yeah. And we got like pick 40 for Josh Kennedy, who's like a perennial superstar, you know, superstar, all Australian, and like one of the best Sydney players in the past 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they want pick eight. Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, significant overs, you would think. But if, like, <laughs> I, I said it before, I was like, why wouldn't you ask? That's true. But if Jordan Clark is worth pick eight, to Frio. Frio would want like pick negative five for Adam Chera. Like give us one and two. They'd want Sam Walsh and Harry Mackay and Jacob Wiedering and, and pick and one. one. Yeah. It's like, I know you don't have pick one, but make it happen. Get pick one. Cause yeah, and it's what, you know, I guess the market is it's like at the end of the day, any trade or, like salary negotiation is what the buyer is willing to pay usually. Yeah, buyer's market, obviously. But like, there's no way, no way Jordan Clark goes to big eight. Considering, and I'll always bring this up, the compensation we got for Lance Franklin. Who yeah, got, but he, that wasn't a trade, that was free agency. Yeah, but the compensation, I think we got a second. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean, you'd get seven first-round picks if that nine-year deal happened now. Yeah, I'll say Richmond got a second for maybe a Chole. Oh, who yeah, is coming yeah. Lance Franklin? But that's true. I mean, I would think he'll be better when all is said and done. I mean, it's hard to argue that he isn't now. Yeah, I mean, 
The sad thing is there's going to come a time in the next couple of years where he genuinely goes past Buddy as a player. It might not be until Buddy's been retired for three years, but it will happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Gold Coast midfielder Will Brody uh, is looking to get to the Dockers as well. So, And what are your thoughts? Will Brody get there? <laughs> See, if we hadn't have had the Hayden Burbank revelation, that one doesn't get an applause. No, absolutely not. It's uh, just the mood. The mood's been perennially lifted. I can say anything tonight. I will get just standing ovations may become the norm. Oh, absolutely, mate. I'm in a phenomenal mood. Um, <laughs> I'm in a phenomenal mood because someone got arrested. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best thing to happen involving police in your life in the last 48 hours. Yeah. That's not going to make the podcast. I won't tell that story. That's a bit, that's a bit dark. That'll bring the mood down. Um, uh, Collingwood, Scott Pellery has just finished top three in the best and fairest. That's now 13 times in the last 16 years he's finished top three. That's ridiculous. Considering he didn't play the past the last like five games of the season when he broke his leg. Yeah, exactly. Thirteens are fucking hell. Guys, Brody Grundy, the million dollar man, sixth. The game second. Maynard. Yep. Yeah. Maynard uh, second, I think. Degoe fourth. Side bottom fifth, I believe. Yeah. Um, big SED at Trio finished first in there. Best and Yeah, that's huge. Oh, Rory Lobb might be on the move. That was something that came out of that. And where might Rory Lobb? <laughs> He's on fire today. Um, fuck, uh, hey, Essendon could use Rory Lobb. As a tree at Tullamarine. Good key forward. And by good, I mean... Tall. Yeah. Um, bad. He's pretty quick for how big he is. Yeah, look, I, I mean, as a stopgap, like he's not the, he's not. Yeah, the, so that's the thing I was about to say. So I think, and hindsight is obviously the beauty here, but I think it depends on whether we get King. So if we get Ben King next year, then I think th- there's a few options that would be decent stopgaps. I think Rory Lobb's one. I think Michael Hurley is one. It's obviously already on our list, but is it hmm. mainly a defender? To be honest, I think Levi Casbolt would be one. Uh, just to, to fill that big, bodied hooker style target so that Harry Jones isn't the one getting crunched into yeah every day um it doesn't it, like it it needs to be better than Mason Cox but that's about it yeah yeah that's and like, like Levi, Levi Casbot I think is that benchmark that's just better than Mason Cox yeah like he's fine For a year. he's gonna but be- obviously but like if you don't get King then I think it's not worth having the stopgap really you just gotta- you'd rather have nothing at all well, yeah, well, because, I mean, if you've got the stopgap of whether it's Hurley or Lobb or Casbolt or any of those similar players, hmm. then after a year or two, you're back to square zero. If you're not getting King, you may as well try and find somebody else and develop them. Uh, yeah, I guess, but, like, I don't know. Contracts are short in the AFL, unless you're Carlton, then you're just handing out lifetimes, apparently. But, like, a two-year deal, deal for Casbolt, even if you don't get King... You go into that second year. What is it? He's a free agent, actually. Restricted. 
Yeah, no, sorry, I'm not saying King this year. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm no. Saying, so if we get King at the end of next year, mm. then stopgap for one year. But if we don't get King at the end of next year, then I don't see much utility in wasting up 22 games of valuable AFL experience on Levi Caswell. And it's the same, it's the Geelong scenario. Like Jordan Clark might not be in their, might not have been in their best 22 this year. But by not playing him, A, you don't get that experience into him. So it doesn't improve. And B, you encourage him to start sort of looking elsewhere. Yes. But like for me, like who else is on Essendon's list that you could give key forward minutes to? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a developing one named Kane Baldwin who's like two metres tall and is very solid. Um, that's had two knee Ricos in the last two years, I think. So, I mean, hopefully he comes on. Yeah. But even if it's not someone on Essendon's list, or even if it's a draft pick and he's 18, fine. I mean, Harry Jones was fine this year. Yeah. If it's, even if it's Nick Cox and you give him a year at centre-half forward where he, he's not much good for the first year because he's still very skinny and still learning to play forward. Mm. Or if you get in another young forward that sort of hasn't blossomed yet from another club, say a Sam Wiedemann or someone, yeah, um, that hasn't torn the house down and may, to be honest, may not be as good as somebody like a Casbot or a Lob would be next year, mm. but will serve more utility in the long run. Because even though I think Essendon are on the way up, we're not going to be a contender next year. But I think we will be a contender in probably three or four years. And by that time, Lob or Casbot or whoever it is won't be there. All right. So who who's in that medium kind of range? Let's say, you, you like, I think King will probably go to the Bombers at this rate from just what it I'm looks doing. it looks like but it like it doesn't hurt to have like a, a Tom McDonald type like who's who's the Tom McDonald who is like the just board on the list that you could realistically get now it's from a different club that we could get in yeah yeah like a, a, a dream like third key forward yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think, I think Wiedemann's probably not a bad option because obviously he's massive talent. Mm. He's got quite a few in front of him at Melbourne now that McDonald's had that resurgence and Ben Brown's found his footing and the hair hat has sort of excelled this year. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it, which makes sense because big promising Fords don't tend to be easily given away by clubs um my instinct was to say oscar allen i think he's above that class i think he's definitely prepping to be west coast either the next big ruckman or next big key forward i think he's the heir to darling to darling see that's the one either kennedy or nick that though oh kennedy's older isn't the heir to the key forward in so you think he's more of a key forward than a ruckman i think so yeah, I mean, I mean, I can accept that. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't think he's in that echelon of gettable. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's... it's a small list. It's off, it, off the top it, of the head. It's like there's there's not many like giant. A, honestly, Callum Coleman Jones is probably a good shout, but I think yeah. he is sort of the opposite, and he wants to play in the ruck rather than play forward. Who wants to play in the ruck? No one which wants to Which is, I think, why he's gone to North, because once Goldstein retires next year, there's a massive hole in that sort of North ruck. Hey, let's not disparage out. No, I'm not even going to say it. Um, not even going to say it. He's fucking terrible. Who? Our boy Tristan. Oh, yeah, Cherry. Yeah, yeah, I even forgot he existed for a minute. Wishful thinking. 
Um, but yeah, just, just trying to go through all the teams. It's it's a tough one. Genuinely, I would be having a real crack at Paddy McCartan. Mm. Um, I think because he's living in Sydney and his brother plays for Sydney, if anybody's going to get him on their list, it would be the Swan. Yeah. But, I mean, it was good. He played in that one VFL game for Essendon and looked pretty impressive, kicked two goals. And, I mean, he's always had the ability. Obviously, yeah. he went he went number one before Petrarca. It was one. I thought he was two. Fucking hell, yeah. So no. Tra- Petrarca was two, Brayshaw was three, but McCartan was one. He was huge. So, I mean, if you get him fit and firing, he's obviously got that ability. Yeah, no, the, oh, and that could just be like a free find. Like, and, and to be honest, um, this could be like a mid-season draft thing. So many players have come out of the mid-season draft this year and just been like good AFL players, ready to go. Like from the... Like, D- does it? Yeah, Durham, uh, Bramble, Newcomb. Um, yeah. Fuck, I just thought of one. Uh, Cooper Sharman from St Kilda. Yeah. Yeah, Snelling the year before. Yes, yeah. and now finished third in the best and fairest. Like that's massive. Yeah, so I don't know. I think, especially where Essen is trending in terms of like developing players, I think they could, if they genuinely just get like an average talent with a big body, it could be anything. Yeah, and I mean, I think we forget that Peter Wright is that big body, and I think again, with it, we went through this either last week or the week before, and we both forgot about Stringer. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be horribly averse to seeing an Essendon forward line next year that looks like Stringer, Peter Wright, Harry Jones, especially if they're going to try and develop Cox as a forward, which mm. I, I get the feeling they might. He needs to so play forward. So if you got, if you got two meter as the big forward, Harry is number two. I agree, he might not be number two long term, but number two next year. And then you've got Stringer in and out, and Cox is that number three. Even though it might might not be huge centimeter forward as a three, yeah, it might not be hugely effective next year because I mean Jones and Cox will both be nineteen. Peter's still very inconsistent. Stringer does his best work in the middle. Yeah, um, but I think that yeah, I, I think you can develop that. Yeah, no, I I, I just I'm very interested to see what Essendon do with Nick Cox because like he could be anything anywhere. And yeah. I think it's very important in the next couple of years to like just cement him somewhere. It's funny because I would say he's the perfect archetypical huge motored centre-half forward Nick Rewalt, Richo style. Mm. Except for the fact that I think that is more so Harry Jones. Yeah, because he, that game against Hawthorne... Um, he ran he further up, than anybody on the ground. He just ran on the ground from the forward pocket. <laughs> and he's, a, he's a great mark. So, I mean... There's nothing to say that they both can't be that. Maybe that could be the new sort of setup that gets us really, that sort of propels us forward in the same way that Richmond had that dynamic one big forward setup in 2017 that was sort of revolutionary. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the Essendon model, having two big key forwards that just work up and back, up and back. Mm. So then at least at least you probably avoid the, the pitfall of lots of sides where their key forwards get sucked up and can't work back. Yeah, so it, it also um, probably helps with uh, Draper having to do less around the ground. Draper doing anything around the ground makes me nervous. But like true. in the same way that Max Gorn like travels around the ground to like go to contests and he's like quick hands and uh, good feet. Like so I mean, in that scenario, are you seeing Cox as a second ruckman as well? 
Which, I, I mean, he's already been used as sort of a second ruckman this year. Obviously, once he puts on some size, it's possibly not Probably. a bad shout, depending on how big he gets. Like, I don't see him, even after four or five years in the gym, being big. Yeah, he's not going to turn into, like, Shane Mumford. He's, yeah, nobody's Shane Mumford. But, like, I don't even see him getting to, like, a Luke Jackson size. Yeah, he, he might just be <laughs> super skinny, which will be weird to see. Having said that, Max Corn is very skinny. Yeah, but he's strong. He he's is strong. strong it's the darts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's no saying even if Cox doesn't put on a lot of weight that he can't be strong like that. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. He could just turn into like a knickknack with super, super skills. Yeah, I mean, it would be lovely to see. He, he, I agree, he is one of the ones that will be most interesting to watch over the next three or four years. Yeah, because I think out of like the last couple of years, your draft picks, you've got what? Perk is nailed on as a just a small forward. Re- yeah, and, and, and to be honest, most small forwards when they're young, good small forwards sort of tend to turn into midfielders. Yeah. I sort of see Perk as just a genuine small forward. He's just a forward. I, especially I, as he's got the instincts, and especially with the strength of our midfield currently, and how deep it's getting, you know, yeah, just keep him there. And Devin Smith, for that matter, I think he's better when he plays exclusively for because he doesn't have to do much. What Dev Smith is good at is not touching the ball a lot. That's true, but I mean, it's a lot more acceptable for a small forward to have eight possessions, two Definitely. tackles, and two goals than a midfielder. Absolutely. Um. That's, I, I like that about small forwards. They can just, like, it's like Tipper. Yeah, well, Cyril, Cyril was the prime example. He so had to touch it three times a game and could have massive impact. Win a, like, win a Norm Smith type of thing. You know, he, yeah. he single-handedly won us that 2008 grand final. You cannot convince me otherwise. Mate, go back and watch the third quarter again and tell yeah, me Stuart Jew didn't win you that. I know, but... That, that three-on-one tackle on the wing is still just, like, burnt into my brain. And to be honest, it was really all Cameron Mooney. Yeah, well, and... That was, that was the year he missed from the goal square, right, at halftime? Brad Otten missed a couple of shockers. Yeah. Just a, just a rough game. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, is there any other trade shit going on? What else we got? Yeah, Finn McGuinness to resign. Oh, this bottle's not full enough. <laughs> um, also, as a Tim O'Brien adjacent, uh, Port have been looking at Tim O'Brien. I don't hate that, actually, because I think, I mean, Jonas is probably coming to the end of his time. Trent McKenzie's coming to the end of his time. Um, it obviously- clear to me that Trent McKenzie is a key back. I know he's he's so undersized, but I mean I think he would be. I think he's undersized in the same way that Timmy O would be undersized because I think Ken would deploy them similarly on the, the big forwards. Except Trent McKenzie is one of the best kicks of the football this decade. Yeah, Tim yeah, O'Brien's yeah. a good kick, but like yeah, but McKenzie and Rich are in a league of their own. Yeah, and you know the oh, and Caleb Daniel less about power, more about precision. Oh, yeah, some of his kicks in the grand final are insane. I think Lacocious is getting up there in terms of just mm-hmm. kicking. Inside 50 kicks, I would say Clary and Zeret are the two that just 
Clary's blow my mind regularly. And it's not even about like laser. It's it's touch. It's it's deft. It's like yeah. it's the vision and the ability to like pull it back. And you're just like, how the fuck did you see that? You were running 300 kilometers toward yeah. the wing, and you've just squared it 30 meters, like at the corner of your eye. It's insane. Yeah, some of the stuff they do is just mind-boggling, even more so than like a 50-meter sizzler that doesn't go more than a meter off the ground. Yeah. Some of their kicks that just go tw- 22 meters and sort of loop up in the air, but it's just perfectly placed and in an impossible <laughs> spot. It's in the basket and you're just like, there are five players around. How yeah. did Yeah, not only how did you see them, but how did you get the ball there? Yeah, no, it's wild. Um, so what does that port backline look like? A Lear, a Lear, in the event that Timmy O'Brien goes. Timmy O, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Jonas, I think. Yeah, he probably takes McKenzie's spot. Um, Or McKenzie can go back to his uh, dashing halfback days. Doubtful. Although Daniel Rich has had a bit of resurgence like that, and he's still not quick. Yeah, Daniel Daniel Rich is almost in the Grant Birchall case of just like, okay, I can just take a mark, stand, and go bang. Grant Birchall used to be the classic run off the half back line but now he's just like all right stand here kick it 60 meters i would argue daniel richards had the two last two years of his life oh as, how old is he 31 or 32 like 31. i think he's been better in the last two years than he was ever before no and i think i brought this up last week daniel rich has never won a best and fairest or he's won one and yeah it seems, it seems interesting through those brisbane rough times but like 12 to 17. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like he's the sort of player that is made to look a lot better by a good side, especially a good midfield. Yeah. Like because, because of the way he plays kicking off halfback and setting up all that play, if you don't have the midfielders to, to set the play up to, yeah, moving through there and being dynamic like that, then I thought, I think you're sort of limited. In yeah, it just comes straight back over your head. Yeah, true. And then you get to make it look accountable because uh, unaccountable. Because your man is sat 30 metres behind you. And if you, not necessarily you turn it over, but somebody else turns it over and then it gets kicked over your head, you're well. Yeah. And Tom Papley's sitting 15 metres out in the goal square, just like, well, I'll take, I'll take this for free. Yes, please. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all I've got for trade shit. Is there anything you wanted to do before we wrap up the first half? Oh, we're doing halves. Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. No, I think I have absolutely nothing to say. Absolutely love to say it. And And on that bombshell. We're professionals. Thank you so much for listening to the first half of the last call podcast. It's been Jamal. It's been Ash. Ash goes bang. Bang.